We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. This will be the third installment, I believe, of the Church of Jesus Christ and the Apostles, which were imitating as well, right? So we run through the fact that there's only one church. I actually was going to put something up yesterday, but then I thought, let me not give somebody reason to go and kill themselves. Because I actually was going to put, and I think I will eventually, that there is no salvation in the church. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Some people, some people just woke up. There is no salvation in the church. In John 14 and verse 6, Jesus says, I, I, Jesus, am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It doesn't stop there. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So guess what? You don't come to the Father through the church. Because by the time Jesus made this statement, there was no church, sir. Acts chapter 4. Acts 4. I think it's 11 or 12. <laughs> Are you ready for today? Go from verse 11 for context. The chief cornerstone, this is Peter speaking. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must Jesus did not save the world and then entrust to the church the job of saving the world. Jesus is and forever remains the savior of the world. I said the other day that we talk about certain phrases. Ah, man. Can you guys handle today? We talk about certain phrases, and I challenge them on the basis of scripture, and nobody can give me answers. One of such phrases, we are soul winners. You can't save anybody. Neither is there salvation in any other. In fact, the Bible says that he that winneth a soul is wise. Proverbs 11. Let's destroy that thing now. Verse 30. Now there's a problem. Problem number one, this is either Solomon speaking or Lemuel, because it's the two of them that wrote the book of Proverbs. Some of the sayings were credited to Solomon, and some were credited to another wise man named Lemuel or Lamuel. Whether verse 11, verse, chapter 11, verse 30 is talking about Solomon or Lamuel, the truth or the fact of the matter is, at the time Proverbs was written, there was no soul to be one for Christ. Because there was no Christ in the flesh to be one unto. There couldn't have been a soul winning being implied if the blood of Jesus had not been shed on the cross. Talk to me, come on, what about the house? So we cannot be using Proverbs to talk about soul winning as though we are calling people to be saved. Because there was no cross, there was no salvation. At the time this was written. 
Now that already throws this thing out the window. Proverbs 11.30 cannot be referring to salvation. Because when it was written, there was no salvation. Because neither is there salvation in any other. Are you sure you want me to teach today? Are we here now? Okay, so now that we have established that it cannot be referring to salvation. Even though we have turned it into a salvation verse. What does it mean? Easy. Look at other translations. Tipity. But a life lived loving God bears lasting fruit. For the one who is truly wise wins souls. What is he talking about? The message. A good life is a fruit-bearing tree. A violent life destroys souls. NLT. The seed of good deeds becomes a tree of life and a wise person wins friends. When you study... Uh, yeah, yeah. When you study scriptures, when you study a book like Proverbs, you understand that Proverbs is only as wise as the wisdom that it is consistent with for salvation. Solomon was the wisest man. Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ and Solo are not mates. So Solomon's all sense of wisdom terminates at the beginning of the wisdom of Christ. Solomon is who you would have called all-knowing. God is not all-knowing. You actually insult God to say he's, he knows all things. Solomon knew all things. He studied the ant. He studied pride. He studied humility. He studied stars. He studied ecclesiology. He studied vanity. He, do you understand? He studied sex. He studied love. He studied intimacy. He studied to know. So one who is all-knowing is one who is an emeritus in a subject. That's what the word emeritus means. And to be an emeritus, it means that you have studied and come to the zenith of all the knowledge there is to acquire in a particular subject. So Solomon could, could be referred to as is a, an emeritus extraordinary, an emeritus across board. I mean, if somebody who dealt with a thousand women talks to you about women, better listen. You better, better wake up and pay attention. Does that make sense? Jesus cannot be said to be all knowing along the same level as Solomon. Because Jesus is how knowledge is defined. Do you understand? Jesus is how you can say Solomon is wise. Because when you say Solomon is wise, what is the yardstick for measuring wisdom? So Solomon's wisdom collapses at the point where the wisdom of Jesus takes center stage. So when you're reading Solomon's wisdom, you are taking the wisdom of Solomon only as is consistent with the wisdom of Jesus. Yes, sir. Only as is consistent with the wisdom of Jesus. Because Solomon teaches you how to bribe people. That's the context of Proverbs 11. You want, so when the Proverbs says a man's gift makes a way for him, he was not referring to your talent. I will teach it another day. Wait for me. When it says a man's gift makes a way for him, 
he was not referring to your talent. He was referring to your money bag. The gift you brought that if you don't bring before a king, he won't answer you. Sorry, he was not, he was not talking about... Show us in the TPT or message or NLT. You guys have looked for trouble. Okay, CTPT. Would you like to meet a very important person? Take... Into message. Message. NLT. New King James. You will get up and say, the Bible says, your gifts... Mess away for you. If you are gifted, you are talented. If you are skillful. That's why I keep telling you, calm down. Calm down. You just want a word. And the word here is the word gift. Will you excel if you are diligent in your business? Absolutely. Does this verse say that? No. Look for something else. I did a study on Proverbs like eight, nine years ago. One day I will just come and take you through Proverbs from 1 to 31. I'll just take you verse by verse. Just debunking stuff and lining stuff up. In the light of Christ. In the light of context. I said to you last week or two weeks ago. Now all we need to do is allow the word speak for himself. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's why I'm, now you see why I'm not in a hurry. The work is a lot of so when I hear people, t- I, it churns my stomach. It disturbs me. When I hear people teach. I'm like, what? where are you coming from? Where are you coming from? Why would David or Lamuel be writing about spiritual gifts in a day where there was none? Because there cannot be spiritual gifts outside the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So Joel said in the last day, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And then Peter comes in Acts chapter 2 in the first message after Pentecost. So when did that prophecy start coming to pass? At Pentecost. After the resurrection. After the crucifixion. And what does Ephesians 4 say? How can we say, I think verse 9 or so, how can we say, Ephesians 4, how can we say that he ascended without first of all saying that? Yes, verse 9. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now this, give us TPT. He ascended means that he returned to heaven after he had first descended from the heights of the heaven, even descending as far as the lowest part of the earth. Verse 10. And he, as it was written, the same one who descended is also the one who ascended. He might feel all in all. Verse 11. Verse 11. Quickly. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles. So he, before he ascended, where's that chapter? I think verse, I think verse 8. He, he ascended on high and gave gifts to men. Yes, verse 8. This is why he says, he ascends into the heavenly heights, taking his many captured ones with him, and so gifts were not given to men until he ascended. <laughs> put, put, put the new King James up. Or even King James. There's a, there's, a, there's a texture that King James gives us. Hey, wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave how did he give gifts to men? By the advent or the release of the Holy Spirit. So where would David be talking about spiritual gifts from? 
when the Spirit of God was only marginally upon them in the Old Testament and not resident in them. Which gift? Making way. Okay, he's not talking about spiritual gift now. He's talking about natural gift. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. So, so essentially, what Solomon was talking about right there is what politicians do. The wisdom of Solomon stops where the wisdom of Christ starts. So be careful when you read some things and start to run around and say you are, you are wise. You just found out. And study Proverbs and feel like a wise person. And your wisdom is contrary to everything Christ stands for. <laughs> in one chapter, chapter 26, he will start in verse 4, I think, and say, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Lest you become foolish like him. Next verse, exact next verse. See, I'm right. So then verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Next verse, next verse, next verse. <laughs> So, neither verse 4 nor verse 5 become binding outside of the wisdom of Christ. And what is the wisdom of Christ? Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be angry and sin not, Paul says, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. Bless those that curse you. Bless, I say, and do not curse. That's the wisdom of Jesus. So, the wisdom of Jesus is not answer a fool according to his folly. The wisdom of Jesus is pray for those that spitefully use you. The wisdom of Jesus is be temperate and exercise self-control against which there's no law. So for the new creation in Christ, you have to come through the whole thing with a fine-tooth comb. And know, okay, here, this is what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about. And then every now and then they stumble upon some Christ realities. Every now and then, like like. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. All has been said, all has been heard. The end of the matter is the Amplified. Amplified classic. All has been heard. The end of the matter is fear God. Look at this. Listen to this carefully, right? Fear God then in parenthesis, meaning revere and worship him knowing that he is. And keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man in parenthesis. The full original purpose of his creation the object of God's providence, the root of character, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun, and the whole duty for every man. Isn't that beautiful? And that's why you have to not compromise with being a student of scripture. So be careful when you are quoting scripture. So come, honestly, come, don't follow the crowd. The crowd is so lost, they don't understand it. But because there are many who are lost, they believe they're the ones who are woke. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's billions of people, and it's scary, it's a scary thought, that there's billions of people who profess something, believe something that is wrong, that did not just become wrong today. Plenty, you who says it's wrong, are wrong. Regardless of what your Bible says. Who are you to correct us? New generation churches. They forget that the message of the gospel is older than their denomination. Yes, How old is your old generation church? How old? How old? If we are applying New Testament in total, it's a curse that should be on everyone who is preaching that nonsense. Galatians 1.7. It's a curse. Because they are the new generation. 
Go back to verse 6. I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who has called you in the grace of Christ. Somebody say the grace of Christ. The grace of Christ. That's the message. To a different gospel. Different from what? The grace of Christ. And this different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let that person be accursed. Verse 9. As we have said before, now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. So between the grace of Christ and what the other gospel became, which is not another, which one is new generation? If we are preaching the grace of Christ, guess what? We are the old school. And I don't know about you guys, but for me that excites me. It excites me that you're older than me, but I'm older than you. <laughs> Where are you tracing your message to? Where? Amen. One church. Nobody can claim right to salvation. Salvation comes by none other than Jesus. He made it clear. He made it clear. He's the savior of the world. Nobody else. No organization. Are you here tonight? The church is the church of Jesus Christ, not a denomination. I talked about this. I talked about the fact that denominations come along divergent doctrine. And divergent doctrine come along the lines of error of interpretation. Right? And when men want to defend the word, rather than allowing the word defend himself, speak for himself. Jesus Christ is the only head of the church because he's the founder, he's the president, and he's the high priest of the church. The church did not begin when Jesus Christ was with men. Emmanuel was not the beginning of the church. Allah's parakletos, the Holy Ghost in us, was the beginning of the church. Remember that? And that is the building he was referring to, not buildings, not cathedrals, not edifices, not all of that. If that was the church, then like I said, what happened last year shut down the entire church of Jesus Christ. And that would be an indictment to Jesus Christ if his church was buildings. I can't remember who it was on Facebook that made a statement about the church not being a building. And some other kid jumped on. I like seeing when kids are trying to talk doctrine. Some other kid jumped on her post and was saying that, yes, the church can be referred to as temple because Jesus went into the temple and he flogged, um, he flogged people out of the temple and said, you are destroying the temple and this temple shall be my, the house of prayer for all nations. And I was just praying, as always, as you know me, I will, not, I will not join your conversation. I'll just look at it and just go past. I'll just be praying for you. Father, let them have small sense. Because the punchline would have been, okay, if that was the temple of Jesus, where's the temple now? Okay. Yeah, let's start there. Yes, we agree. Jesus flogged people out of the temple. They was defeated. Because they now broke his temple. He now started going around and now building, building everywhere. Because, you know, they broke God's temple. God now had to change temple. So that they will not break it again. He now put plenty. You get it? Yeah. And for plenty temples. Because if you break this one, that one day. Break that one, this one day. What kind of God is that? And that was the only verse the lady was hanging on to. And then I was, I was looking at the people, I'm like, oh, Father Lord. Not everybody comes to your world to learn. And notice the critics only come when they feel they have something against you. They will never say anything you said is correct. They will only come out to play. When they have said something they can catch on to. And hey, now we have something we can. You don't waste your time with such people. They didn't come to learn. 
First of all, they will not attack you on your, on your post if they are wanting to learn. If they know you and they are your friend, they are your friend, they will engage with you how they know to engage with you. When somebody comes at you publicly, he didn't come to learn. He didn't come to learn. That's what Paul wants Timothy to not get involved in. That's why I don't make noise on Facebook, not because I don't know what to say. So I looked at it and I just shook my head. I'm like, oh, temple. Wow. Amazing. Fantastic. It's, it's fantastic that God has buildings. He's calling temple. When he said, and I showed you, that where can you, where can you build a house for me? And somebody will see that scripture and still argue that Jesus had a temple. The temple that a mosque is standing on today. The third holiest site of Islam. He's standing on the site of your precious temple, Jesus. All his flogging can, could not sustain it as a temple. And I've argued the case for the fact that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. So Jesus, just before the cross, would not have carried it. Because Jesus grew. So you see only... In, in, let me not go into some things. <laughs> you see, isolated... There are some things of Jesus, of Jesus that you cannot make doctrine of. Jesus. Aha, I have your attention. Go and tell that fox. Fools. What? Wash. I, 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 I thought you said anybody who said it's his neighbor, Raka, is in danger of this and Henry and in danger of Guyana. But Jesus, in that one chapter alone, in a moment, he said, Fools. So we to Shukari came. She, we have temple. Yeah. Because who you are now, oh man, what about in house? Who you are now is who Jesus is now, not who he was before he died. Boy, boy, God highly exalted Jesus and gave him the name. Jesus was named without the name until his resurrection and glorification, he was giving the name. So, and I've taught you guys in what a life when we're still at my house. I said, the Jesus that died is not the Christ that rose. It's not. That's why the you that died with him is not the you that rose. Galatians 2 makes it clear. 20. I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ equals to I am resurrected with Christ. The guy that died is not the guy that rose. The guy that rose didn't need the tomb to be rolled away. I've said over and over and over and over and over and over. Christmas people don't like this. The tomb was not rolled away to let Jesus out. It was rolled away to let the witnesses in. They didn't roll away the stone for Jesus to go out. They rolled away the stone for the woman to come in. For John to be running and Peter to overtake him or the other way around. And get in and say, truly, he's risen. The guy did not need, no, remember he showed up to Mary in the garden. She says, Rabboni. He says, don't touch me, I haven't gone to my father. He was out there. Who was chilling on the stone? An angel. Waiting for witnesses. You insult the resurrection of Jesus to be implied that God rose him from the dead and he needed an angel, an angel to help Jesus get out of the tomb. Romans 8 makes it clear, the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you. Now, that spirit can raise up Christ from the dead and cannot roll away the stone. The stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out. It's rolled away to let them in. As a fatherhood of Jesus, I'll teach it someday. The fatherhood of Jesus. <laughs> because he thought ahead, these people are coming. 
was out. How do we know that? All the disciples were gathered for fear in the upper room. And Jesus showed up among them. Doors were locked. <laughs> and Jesus showed up among them. And he says, touch my side. Touch my, my wrist, my hands. And he's not bleeding. The, the guy that rose was of a different quality than the guy that died. The you that rose with him is of a different quality than the you that died on the cross with him. What is imputed to you is the new creation reality of Jesus. So you can say you are a new creation because you have received the new creation of Jesus. <laughs> Do you understand? The new creation that Jesus is, is what he gave you. That's why he was paying all that price. Are you understanding this? Not buildings. He said the church emotion in deliberate pattern not to feed them, not to heal them, not to solve their problems. Remember that? Two weeks ago. But to facilitate the kingdom of God by discipleship, by fellowship, and by government. Right? Awesome. And then we went into the fact that the church of Jesus Christ, which we are and imitate, is driven by discipleship. It took time to explain that. Number two is a church in which the word grows and prevails. Again, God deals with us on that one. The word prevailing. Remember that? Third one, the church that we're imitating places premium on fellowship. And then fourth one, again, we're dealt with heavily on that. The word, the church is one, is of one heart and one mind. Remember that? Homothomadon, unanimous in agreements, never from disagreement. Five, the church of Jesus Christ legislates his government in the earth. Number six, the church of Jesus Christ is given to worship, to prayer, and to good works. Right? Number seven, we'll continue today, and there's just three of them, seven, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine. Number seven, the church of Jesus Christ that we imitate is true. First of all, if, you, if the church of Jesus Christ is true, then it means it is not a falsehood church. We cannot be said, and this is something we'll deal with at DSTP. We know we had this beautiful argument about what makes you the church. Can somebody without this and this and this be said to be the church? At what point are you no longer able to lay claim to be the church? The church of Jesus Christ cannot be a falsehood church. So the fact that somebody bears, sticks a signboard out there and registers themselves with CAC with all the fancy names that they conjure together to make a denomination does not make them true. In fact, and sadly, most churches that answer the name gospel church don't know the gospel. Bible church, same difference. I mean, you add Bible inside your church name. You add gospel inside your church name. It means that you should know nothing else except Christ and Him crucified. But you walk into a gospel church, incorporated, international. So and so and so and so, gospel center. Wow, I expect great things, oh, personally. So you say your name is gospel center, gospel church, Bible church. Wow, I expect right division of truth. Sadly, that's not the case. So the fact that your name is right does not mean that your practice and doctrine are right. Are you following me now? Are you sure? The church of Jesus Christ cannot be a falsehood church. Because it cannot be said to be a church if there is falsehood. So when we say the church of Jesus Christ is true, what do we mean? We mean that the church of Jesus Christ is true to sound doctrine. Right? 
the church of Jesus Christ is true to sound doctrine, rooted and grounded in sound doctrine. Adherence to sound doctrine is the parameter for measuring the truth of the church. The level to which the church adheres to sound doctrine is the parameter by which the truth of the church is measured. Make sense? You can have a bunch of people morally upright and doctrinally bankrupt. And that's not a church. Everybody behaving right and doctrine wrong is not a church. And you can have a church full of misfits struggling to find their feet, messing up here, there, and everywhere, but handling and clinging to sound doctrine without compromising. Church. Case in point, you know, Corinthian church. Saints. We can have issues, and yet we are clinging to sound doctrine. That's a church. Because your issues do not invalidate the soundness of doctrine. Do you understand? And your good performance does not make your wrong doctrine right. So it's what it is. Adherence to sound doctrine is the parameter by measuring whether a church is true. Not how pious the church is. Not how much the church gives. Not how many cars are parked outside. It's, it's actually very deceptive for people to come to church and put on a different front. Personally, I hate it. I hate it. I hate pretending. I hate hypocrisy. If this is me, let this be me. You meet me in and out, you know this is me. When I go out to speak, same way. It's why I am. If you don't like me, don't invite me. Don't invite me and change what you want me to do. I will shock you. I will shock you. Because this is who I am, sir. This is my message. It's very dangerous to be in a place where you're very pious. And everybody's an actor on Sunday. Everybody. Movie directors, you know, cast, just come to church on a Sunday. Everybody's in their acting mode. Everybody. So, how can you do that in the house of the Lord? What they're telling you is you can do it anywhere else. Just don't do it in church. It's not acceptable to do it in church. But you can do it anywhere else. Look at Isaiah chapter 30. This will interest you. Isaiah, right? <laughs> Isaiah 30 and 8. Are you here? Yes, sir. Now go write it before them on a tablet. This will help somebody. And note it on a scroll that it may be for time to come. Somebody say time to come. Time Forever. Eon at Eon. That this is a rebellious people. Put it on record. That generations coming for eternity will be able to reference. That this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord. Keep going. Who say to the seers, do not see. And to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Give me the message. The church of Jesus Christ is true. Yesterday I was listening to one who started a meeting and meeting of 5 o'clock. By 12 o'clock, there's no seat in a 3,000 seater auditorium every Sunday. People flying from outside, the, the overflow outside the house is in the thousands. 
People are gathering everywhere to hear the man speak because he's speaking what everybody wants to hear. And talking about how he was chasing the mysteries of God. Always talking mysteries. Always talking mysteries. Always talking mysteries. And how he went chasing and hungry for mysteries. And he heard about a pastor who had raised plenty of people from the wheelchair. So he went there for a pastor's conference, praying. And then the pastor had pictures of all the generals of God that were on the altar. And they said, touch one and pray. So when it was his time, he laid on all the pictures and prayed. And that, that man was now telling them when he prayed for them that um, the oil, anointing oil was anointing them with, that he and another guy went to America to the podium another pastor preached on. They used a face towel. God told him to use a face towel and rub the podium because there was such an anointing on the podium. And he took the face towel and dropped it in that anointing oil. And then he went to the graveside of another pastor and they couldn't get access and um, um, grasses had grown around. And when they stood by the graveside, such an anointing came upon them. They began to pray and they sensed that they had drawn the anointing from the bones of that person. It's on YouTube. And God told him to cut the grass of the graveside. And he cut the grass of the graveside and put in the oil. And you can say whatever you want, but he doesn't joke with the oil of God upon the body of Christ. Dude, that's straight up sorcery or wizardry. So by the time you are being anointed with oil that has... Fab- and Okay, oh, I forgot one. That um, this particular person that was, that was dead, um, they had commemorated, they had sold a fabric. The person wore a... Okay, I remember now. This particular South African guy where he went... Whenever a particular anointing comes upon that guy for healing and all that, he touches a fabric. And whenever he touches the fabric, they go and print the fabric. Like they go and make plenty of that fabric. So he bought the fabric and put the fabric in the oil. You would then stand in line, get anointed with that nonsense, and your life ceases to be yours. And then people are praying to get mysteries. You see, there's people that carry the mysteries of God. Pray for mysteries. And you keep pushing people into a thing that doesn't exist. And because it's a vacuum, the enemy positions himself to fill that vacuum. And I was angry in my spirit. The works! I was upset in my spirit. Not from competition, but from the level of decadence in the church. The level of doctrinal corruption in the church. And of course, that's the kind of pastor that the whole body of Christ will celebrate. Because he makes it good for their business. It's good for business. You start to endorse mystical practices in the body of Christ. Isaiah 13 8, are you here? Yes, sir. It was written in that day for this day. Give me the message. Let's deal with some stuff. So go now and write all this down. Think of when Isaiah was writing, put it in a book. So that the record will be there to instruct a people unwilling to listen to anything God tells them. Keep going. They tell their spiritual leaders, don't bother us with irrelevances. They tell their preachers, don't waste our time on impracticalities. Tell us what makes us feel better. 11. Don't bore us with obsolete religion. That stuff means nothing to us. Quit hounding us with the Holy One of Israel. Don't tell us about Jesus. Go back to verse 8. Play it in the NLT. Don't tell us about Jesus because he's the Holy One of Israel. I'm going to write these words down. Write them in a book. They will stand until the end of time as a witness 
that these people are stubborn rebels who refuse to pay attention to the Lord's instructions. They tell the seers, stop seeing visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Forget all this gloom. Get off your narrow path. Stop telling us about your Holy One of Israel. Paul picks this up in his instruction to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Thank you. 2 Timothy 4. I told you guys over and over that Paul wrote the message of grace from the Old Testament. You begin to see the links. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's go from verse 1 to 5. Straight up to the, to the NLT. Actually, we, we saw it in the message, right? Let's stay here in NLT. I solemnly urge you, in the, Paul is telling Timothy, in the presence of God and Christ, Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. King James says, be instant in season and out of season. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people. How? How? Good teaching. Look at this. For a time is coming. Run this parallel with Isaiah 30. A time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. This is Paul speaking now. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Keep going. They will reject the truth. And she's after me. Should keep a clear mind in every situation. Look at this next line. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. That's what drives us. Verse 1, we saw Isaiah 13, the message. Look at how parallel the language is in the message from verse 1. Second Timothy 4 from verse 1 in the message. Is this helping anybody? The church of Jesus Christ is true. And it's true to the degree that it adheres to sound doctrine. No falsehood. I can't impress this on you too strongly. God is looking over your shoulder. Christ himself is the judge with the final say on everyone, living and dead. He's about to break into the open with his rule. Hallelujah. So proclaim the message with intensity. Keep on your watch. Challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit. Just keep it simple. Now, if you know Pav, you know that by God's grace... That's what I'm doing. Challenging, warning, urging, yes, teaching relentlessly. Yes, Truth simply put. Yes, you are going to find that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching. Yes, Open your mouth with me and say, not in this house. Yes, Open your mouth and say with me, not in this house. Yes, people will have no stomach for solid teaching. Say, ah, the teaching is long. You are one of them. Ah, they spend so much time teaching. You are one of them. Free yourself now. They will have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food. Catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They will turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. That's five. But you, keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. 
do a thorough job as God's servant. We are, that's why we are loud on sound doctrine. Sound doctrine gives heavy emphasis to teaching. That's why we place premium on the word of God rightly divided. Because the era we are in, do you, do you know how scary it is to be living in the times that were prophesied? It's easier to be living in the times when they are prophesying. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I tell people around, you, you don't know what time it is. Yes, sir. That's why you can be lackadaisical with your faith. You don't realize that the entirety of time, all of time now is at stake. Yes. Time is folding up. Yes, right now, marriage is not a goal. Marriage is a plus. Yes. Those of you that are here in your 20s, if you get to see your children born, just bless God for his beautiful extra blessings. Because right now, life doesn't owe it to you. Life doesn't owe it to you to deliver your dream job right now. Life doesn't owe it to you. Life is desperate to fold up. Creation is groaning. That's what's happening. Creation is groaning. Time is folding up. It's an urgency that drives us. That's why I tell my people, if I fall, I fall forward. I don't have time to fall to the side or backward. That's the urgency that drives us. Now you can have the nicest voice and be very genuine and sweet and move mountains. Paul said, even if you're a loud clanging cymbal, if you have not love. I'm not that kind of person that's moved by what's happening. That's why you understand now why my mouth is the way it is. This is if I feel ouchy for me. I've not started, not started speaking. It's crunch time. There's urgency. The mess stinks. And it was prophesied. And alas, I am in the generation of the fulfillment of that prophecy. My God, I don't sleep very well. I don't sleep very well. With my own eyes, I'm seeing the out, outfolding of what was prophesied thousands of years ago. And you can sleep nice and pursue a life. There's no life to live. There's no life to live. And it's, it is scary what's going on. It's scary. It's okay to look at me and say, eh, Pam, nobody's his friend. I, because of what I stand for. Yes. If you see my friend, you see what I stand for. Because yes, you don't stand for something, you fall for everything. Yes, By the time you're inviting everybody to your church, it's clear. You're just playing whichever one will walk. Yes, whichever one will walk. Whichever one will bring more people, more money. More clout. More podiums. More invite me, I invite you. Invite me, I invite you. Yes. That's what we're doing, trading pulpits. Because this one will come and say this one. The next one will come and say that one. In one meeting, 12 days of glory, it's nine days, you will hear different things, your stomach will be running. Yes, stomach will be running. Everybody's there. There's no, there's no clear-cut direction that you're following. You're just gathering people to impress them in the name of church. And unfortunately, it's the fulfillment of prophecy that in that day, they will say, don't preach to us. In that day, they will say, we don't want to hear sound teaching. This is too deep. This is not helping us. This doesn't put food on the table. And now I'm telling you that if you are part of that school of thought, you are part of the fulfillment of that prophecy. Of people that Isaiah, God told Isaiah, write this down. Let it be a testament against them. In other words, when God is judging for works, this is what he's going to be looking at. That's why we teach, sir. That's why we teach as fervently and as aggressively as we do. We don't have time to run around. We know all the tricks. We know all the, We know it all. We know it all. Let me show you two more scriptures and we proceed. First Timothy 1. Still Paul. 
Is this helping anybody? First Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. <laughs> Why I put this scripture here was because the opposite or the, not the opposite, well, we can, we can say opposite, but the greatest attack against the gospel of grace is the works of the law. So if somebody is not in the message of grace, he is leaning towards the law, if not totally adhering to the law. Right? Right? Now we're going to go from 9 to 11. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, okay? The law is not made for a righteous person. That means if Christ is in you, for you, the righteousness of God, the law will not concern you. Now it gets even more juicy. The law is not made for a righteous person, but it's made for the lawless and insubordinate for the ungodly and for sinners for the unholy and profane for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers for manslayers for fornicators for sodomites for kidnappers for liars for perjurers and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine keep going sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. That's who the law is for. The law is for anybody who is doing anything contrary to the gospel of grace. You can have the law, keep it. Tip it, tip. Verse 9. Oh, grace, grace, balance it. With what? With what is for lawless people? And then you come and argue, don't come and choose to argue with Pav about how grace enables us to keep the law. Don't come and try to argue with Pav about how the, the 613 ceremonial laws were removed and then the Ten Commandments are still binding on us. First of all, you don't realize how senseless you sound because when you say that the ceremonial law has been removed, that means we don't need to keep it. Why are you wearing a peace priest ground broad? Why are you wearing ceremonial wear from a ceremonial law you agree has been removed? Why are you making incantations? Why are you burning incense? Why do you have an altar? Why do you have an altar where the normal person in church cannot go? Why do you have a cross on your podium that every time we pass your cross, we must bow? In a building, a man built a cross. The guy is probably not born again. You gave him a contract. Build one long one like this. Use another short one and cross him. Make it high like this. The moment the guy finished building it, now all of us, now, guess who we're worshipping? The carpenter or the mason? Yes, so now, as we're passing the pulpit, as we reach the cross, it's the mason and the carpenter that is our God. Because we're worshipping his craftsmanship. We're worshipping his workmanship. But the ceremonial law has been removed. But you march into church. Procession. Recession. Because there's recession at him. Why would our economy not have a recession? When the church is in recession. So number one, you're arguing that the ceremonial law has been removed. But everything about it is called pageantry in, the, in theology. Pageantry, the showing off of spiritual instruments to add validity to your office. Rings. With emerald, with particular stones signifying particular things. Yes. 
caps, chains, and they're different colors. Oh, no, but the ceremonial law has been done away with. You lie. Okay, that's number one. Number two, it is an insult to tell a believer that his standard of morality is thou shall not lie. Thou shall not kill. You are using law to keep a believer in check. But actually, the law was not established for righteous people, but to bring conviction of sin to the righteous. The law was established to bring the revelation of sin to evildoers and rebellious, the sinners without God, those who are vicious and perverse, and those who strike their father or mother. Sinners, murderers that shall not kill, rapists, those who are sexually impure, homosexuals, kidnappers, liars, those who break their oaths, and all those who oppose the teaching of godliness and purity in the church. They are the ones the law is for. How dare you tell me that the Ten Commandments are valid today? 2 Corinthians 3.7 you, you realize that the Ten Commandments were written on stone. Tablets. That's the first tablet. First tablet, just small, it broke. But if the ministry of death, listen to this carefully, written and engraved on stones, please, what does that mean? Which of the law is this? Ten Commandments. It cannot be the 613 others because they were not written on stone. Cannot. So it's not your ceremonial law that you are saying is the ministry of death. Is the tablet. If the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious such that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses. For the ministry of condemnation. Ten commandments. Why? Because it is written to the sinner. To do what? To keep them bound until the time of faith. Galatians 4. I'm not talking about law and grace today. The ten commandments are binding. Where? When they are called ministry of death. How can the ministry of death be binding to those who are no longer under the law of sin and death? Are we preaching? How can the grace, how can life help you to keep death? How? The church of Jesus Christ is true because she sticks to sound doctrine. And that comes from solid teaching. You don't get this in a 45 minute service. Don't get this. So I have no apologies for long meetings. I have no, no apologies. This is what grows a believer. Now, take it from the person who knows music. If I didn't know music or like music or played music, then you can say I'm discriminating against music. But I play music actively. I play keyboard for the music. I do click and I tell you that it will not help you. We do it. It's fantastic. Great for worship expression. But this is what grows you. This is what grows you. So you can come and take my music, but you can't take my word. Get out. Quick. But if you are going to be here, you will grow in sound doctrine. And you will enjoy music. You can have it all. Tell the neighbor, you can have it all. Yeah. All things are yours. Second Timothy 3. Verse 10 to 17. I need it in the message. I'm, I've just been on the church of Jesus Christ is true. Paul is telling Timothy, you've been a good apprentice to me. A part of my teaching, my manner of life, my direction, faith, steadiness, love, patience, troubles, sufferings, 
suffering along with me in all the grief I had to put up with in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. And you also well know that God rescued me. And anyone who wants to live all out for Christ is in for a lot of trouble. There's no getting around it. So me, I wear it like a badge. Proudly. You persecute me for the gospel, join the queue. The apostle warned me, prepared me, that anyone who's going to go all out for Christ is in for a lot of trouble. There's no getting around it. So I'm cool. <laughs> I am cool. It comes with it. It comes with the territory. Next verse. Unscrupulous con men. <laughs> Can you see how clear scripture is? No, there are no surprises, my dear. Not, nothing new under the sun. Unscrupulous con men will continue to exploit the faith. Paul is warning Timothy. Keep going. They are as deceived as the people they lead astray. As long as they're out there, Malikroba, things can only get worse. That's why we, we, we ought to get out there. We ought to get out there. We ought to get out there. We need to be playing in the big leagues. We don't got time for D division. We ain't got time for them nonsense. We need to play in the big, big leagues. We need to trouble the waters at the level that it will affect these guys. That's why I'm declaring it as boldly as I am. What nonsense. And everybody's comfortable with it. Because you have said, don't give us anything serious. One hour service is fine for us. It's good. We pay all the tithe. We stay here and we keep teaching until. In 2 Timothy 3, put it back up. Because as long as they're out there, things can only get worse. But don't let it phase you. Paul tells Timothy, stick with what you learned and believed. Sure of the integrity of your teachers. And that's what I'm telling you now in what abiding house. Why? You took it in the sacred scriptures with your mother's milk. That's the arrangement of when I was a child that has known the Holy Scriptures. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation. No New Testament, rather. All they had was the Old Testament. And Timothy knew salvation in Christ Jesus from the Old Testament. 16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. One way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. 17. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. Go back to verse 10, run it through to 17. Now wrap it up here for today in the NLT. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. Paul tells Timothy, you know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes. And everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. Again, I repeat, it's dangerous to be living in the times that are the fulfillment of what was prophesied. 
as, as you're reading this scripture, you're actually seeing it. I see it black and white. And again, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you're understanding and appreciating the urgency with which we teach. The urgency with which we do ministry. Evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true for you know you can trust those who taught you. You can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. 16. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. 17 and the last verse. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Let's wrap up here today. The church of Jesus, which we imitate and are, is true. Now, a lot of you will come across the criticism of stuff like, what are you guys feeling like? Listen, our association is not to church buildings and denominations. It is to the truth of the gospel. If you are teaching the gospel, you are my brother before you become my friend. There are people around that don't talk like me, don't sound like me, don't act like me, don't dress like me, but they are teaching the gospel. They are my brother. They're my brother. They're my brother. My affiliations are governed by the gospel. It pays to be consistent. Just stay as you said. Keep at your message. It will define your path. Because if, if you look at the people around me, you should be able to tell who I am. You should be able to tell. I'm not all for pastoral friendship at the expense of sound doctrine. I don't care. I don't care. So look at me. Oh, look at you. You're not part of. You're not part of. I am part of sound doctrine. Or oh, I am not a part. I don't belong to political parties. I don't belong to political parties. The Church of Jesus Christ, planted in localities everywhere, is autonomous and self-governing. That's the New Testament pattern of church. Doesn't gather all the churches and put under somebody. Your membership stay with you. Our allegiance is to sound doctrine. We're a different breed. We're a different breed. There's an urgency for the gospel. It's crunch time. I preached that message in 2016 or 17. It's crunch time. It's time to take a stand for the gospel. Take a stand for what you believe. You can't be dilly-dallying around. You can't not be known for something. You're not friends with that person. You know, you're not this. You're not, we don't see you everywhere. No, 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 no. Just dish sound doctrine. I will come. Okay, you don't have it. Be open to receiving it. I will come. You don't have it. You're not willing to receive it. What do you want of me? Besides what you think I have that you can enjoy. Close to me so you can use my hall for free. Close to me so I can produce for you without paying. Close to me so you can do live recording in my place without having to pay the full price. Close enough to me to take what you think. You're a thief. Yes, sir. Just close enough to take what I have without letting me and my name smear you. Without letting it affect you. Without letting them question. They think I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 not, what, no. We just, just have something that we're doing. I'm not compromising with my friendships. Yes, sir. I'm not. I am not. 
Because our allegiance is to sound doctrine. And I stand alone if I have to. I stand alone. Watch what God is doing now. All the people in whose mouth the gospel is. He's bringing them together. Bringing them together. It is the rascals that are fighting themselves. The gospel is not divided. And for me that's exciting. <laughs> Let's roll like that. It's fine. It's fine. Until we gather traction. A brother in the gospel is doing a meeting. I arrive with an army of 100. Inside that army, there's electricians, there's makeup artists, there's engineers, there's state tech, there's singers, there's pastors, there's counselors, or there's somebody to do projection. We just laugh. You just don't, just, just declare it. Just declare it. Because that's the only way we can trouble the imposters. That's the only way. Malako Sibra And now that the wind is blowing in favor of the gospel, I'm excited for what lies ahead. I'm excited for what lies ahead. I'm excited for what lies ahead. I'm excited. Because we stay with the pattern. Can we all say we stay with the pattern? Yes. We stay with the pattern. People are following us as we are following the pattern. Because we are building a people that are deliberate with sound doctrine. That's the only time that we can stand a chance against the imposters. Oh, my, my heart is open to the ministry of the entire body of Christ. You are confused. The whole body of, so anybody, provided they say they are a Christian, and the minister can say something, and you are open. You are a politician. Because what you have guaranteed is that any church, any pulpit that is a pulpit that can afford you will call you. And that's dangerous to the body. Whatever we think binds us as a church is a lie outside sound doctrine. Yes, if we disagree on Jesus, if we disagree on the, the doctrine of the finished work, if we disagree on the particulars of the gospel, us and you together cannot be church. Incline your ear to sound doctrine. Amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.